Good morning. Good morning to everybody here and everybody online, and happy Mother's Day. Um, I'm Derek Brover, and I'm the director of Family Ministries, which means I get to preach on Mother's Day. Um, and so I do like Mother's Day. I, I love my mom, and I also appreciate my wife, who is a wonderful, amazing mother to our four kids, and also appreciate that um, you let me support me preaching on Mother's Day, because I think I'm not... I think I'm not very good at multitasking. I think I would like to say I'm good at that, but I'm not. I'm really good at like focusing on one thing at a time. So Mother's Day probably been kind of lame for you so far, but maybe this afternoon it will be nice, I hope. Um, so, you know, as I was thinking about uh, preaching on Mother's Day, I, I'm thinking, man, there's something kind of strange about celebrating mothers and what, and what they do when there's, there's really a contrast with how we think of the role of mothers with our culture. And so what I'd like to do this morning is actually ask the question, um, how, how do, not just mothers, but how do we move forward as people? Because if the, the role of the, the, the mom and the dad is to help somebody move forward, to mature, to become the people they're supposed to be, um, Really, our, our culture has this, this understanding of, of what that looks like, and then the Bible has this understanding. So I want to kind of take a couple things and contrast those this morning to hopefully see more clearly what the Bible says about how we move forward as people, how we are to mature. So uh, I, will need, I will need help um, from you to um, hopefully uh, go with me in this kind of maybe slightly different type of sermon, and then also I need, I need help from from God, so uh, let's pray. God, I do need help this morning. I need help not just to, to speak clearly and communicate well, but uh, for these words to not just be my thoughts and my words, but I uh, pray that your spirit would use this time to shape us and convict us and encourage us and, and to give us grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so how do we move forward? So what, what can I do? I can't really say, well, let's look at all of our culture and let's look at all of the Bible because those are, that's way too broad. So instead, we have to take something a little more specific. Um, and, and the thing I wanna look at um, on, on this next picture here is uh, these two things. So I'll just let that settle in for a second. There's a, because I feel like some of you might have a reaction to that. How, how many of you guys have seen this? And you don't need to be ashamed, okay? Um, how many of you guys have seen this movie, uh, Disney Pixar movie, Turning Red? Okay, all right, a lot more than the first service. Um, so only a couple of people in the first service were like willing, willing to admit it. So if you don't know, this movie came out recently and when it came out, uh, it stirred up a lot of controversy. Um, there, on the one hand, there was, there was a, a very positive response to the movie um, from critics and from a lot of viewers and they really liked it and they said it's funny and the animation is great and we love this I and mean, it's a great story has a lot of heart and all that kind of Pixar type stuff, maybe cry. Um, I think that's what, there's some person at Pixar that their goal is just to make people cry. And if they, if they make you cry, then they, they did their job. Um, and then there was also a, a lot of response to it where people were just like, this movie is awful. Uh, it's, it's, and they criticized it and said, this is, this is woke and it's, um, it's everything that's wrong with our culture and, and you shouldn't watch this and don't let your kids watch it. Well. I am not here this morning to kind of add to that argument or to give the movie a rating 
or a review. Um, because as I'm sure you know, you guys have probably heard the phrase like the culture wars, right? And so a lot of what happens in the culture wars is we just kind of trash the other side and we say, man, you guys stink uh, and, and your art stinks and everything about you stinks. And then the other side is like, oh really? Because I'm pretty sure you guys stink worse. And then that's, that's like all you do, right, is, is, is do that. And so that's not what I wanna do this morning. Um, I don't think that's helpful. And what would be the goal of that, right? To get you to change to a different political opinion or um, to just gawk at how bad our culture is? I don't wanna do that. So what I actually wanna do is I wanna take Turning Red and just observe a couple things from this movie and overlay it from a couple things from Proverbs so that we can maybe just contrast the two and see what Proverbs has to say a little more clearly. Specifically about this question, what does maturity look like? How do we move forward? So um, when we look at, at how we frame that question, I think our culture is and of course this isn't represent everything in our culture, but I'm taking Turning Red as just like one cultural artifact that I think represents a story that we're hearing a lot right now. And I wanna just overlay that with, with uh, Proverbs and say, what is, how does Proverbs frame this question about how we grow as people and how we mature and how we should? What's the target and how to get there? So uh, let's start with Turning Red. Okay, you may or may not have seen the movie, so let me just uh, give you a little bit of a rundown of what the movie is about without, you know, without heavy spoilers in the case that you like, wanted to watch it. I would caution you against probably showing this um, to young kids. Uh, maybe watch it first. Make, make sure you know what you're getting into or, or read about it. Um, so my kids are, are looking at me like, you, you didn't let us watch this movie, right? So um, we can watch it when you're a little older and we can talk about it if you want. But uh, but I probably won't want to watch it again because I'm kind of had to watch it for this and I'm kind of done with it. I'm frustrated with it, but I'm, I said I wouldn't talk about that. So um, let's just talk about what this movie's about. It's about a, a young girl who, uh, it's a coming of age story and um, she sees herself as very independent and she also uh, sees herself as, as belonging to her family and really obedient to her mom. And so, but as she becomes an adolescent, uh, th there's, there's this tension. And this tension is on display in, in the, this thinly veiled metaphor of her becoming a red panda. And the red panda is uh, important to her family's history. And so as she becomes a young woman, she's becoming a red panda. And um, she comes to discover that actually her family, uh, this is part of what her, it means to be part of her family. And, and that her, her mother and her aunts and her ancestors, they became red pandas and they have a way of containing the red panda. And then she needs to learn how to do the same and go through this ceremony. But guess what? She decides she wants to do things differently um, and that she would actually like to release the panda. And that's who she is. And she wants to honor her family, yes, but she also wants to be herself. And so if this sounds familiar to other stories you've heard, it's because it is familiar to other stories you've heard. And uh, a lot of what's going on in this story, I think, um, and we can put the first point on here, is that, hey, we move forward by discovering ourselves. That we should go through a process of self-discovery and that in doing that, we'll find out who we are and identify, aha, I, I now understand, I have a, a better picture of who I am and that that is actually the goal. And that the bad, the evil that exists is actually people who don't understand who we are and who stand in the way of us figuring out who we are. Have you heard this story before? 
feel like it's been on repeat for, for the last few years. And it's getting, it, and so that's why I chose this movie as kind of a cultural artifact of, man, I think, I think that this is representing something that I'm hearing a lot of, um, that we need to just find ourselves, that this is the goal. And once you found yourself, the next thing you need to do is what? You need to, uh, second thing here, express yourself, right? To be yourself. So lean into that. You've discovered it, you figured it out, and now you need to, to go for it. Uh, you need to, to lean into that and do that and express yourself. And anybody who tells you not to express who you are, um, they're, they're actually standing in the way of, of what actually progressing and maturing would look like for you. So that is the picture. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time, I'm not gonna trash it or anything like that. I want to overlay it with something we see from Proverbs. Okay, so let's just let it sit there for a second. Discover yourselves, be yourselves, express yourselves, that kind of stuff. Let it sit there. Now, let's take a look at Proverbs. Have you guys read Proverbs? Proverbs are wise sayings, right? And so we read, uh, there's actually collections of wise sayings from other cultures in the ancient Near East. And the book of Proverbs is just one of those. But one of the unique things about the book of Proverbs is that the first nine chapters has this section about how you should listen to wisdom. And wisdom is personified in this, this section and um, sin is personified, this, this woman uh, folly and there's this woman wisdom and it's saying, listen, this is really, really important. And it kind of uh, is crystallized in this, this verse that's repeated, this refrain and it's, it's from chapter one and it has kind of a, a really central spot in chapter one and in the book of Proverbs and it's Proverbs 1, 7 and it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So first thing we see, how do we move forward is we move forward by fearing God, by fearing Yahweh. And so this is really important in the book of Proverbs. Well, what does it mean to fear God in this verse? Well, the way that it's paralleled in, in, in the Psalms and Proverbs and a lot of the prophets is we can look at the two lines, sorry, go, go back one. Um, look at those two lines and you see the contrast, right? The fear of the Lord uh, contrasted with what? despising wisdom and instruction, right? So what does it mean to fear God? It means having a posture of reverence to God to listen to him, as opposed to having sort of our fingers in our ears. And this is repeated throughout the first few chapters of Proverbs, throughout one through nine. Hey, you really need to listen. This is super important that you listen. Listen, you need to fear God. The beginning to the path of wisdom is fearing God and listening and not being somebody who says, I don't need to learn, I don't need to listen. And I remember actually reading Proverbs for um, some of the first time when I, when I was a teenager and I'm in my early 20s and I, I really like the Proverbs. They tell you like how to live and what to do. And I remember actually feeling a little bored. I'm probably not allowed to admit that, right? I think I am. Um, in the first few chapters of Proverbs, I think because I didn't get it. And I was like... Um, why, why, is it, why is it just keep saying over and over again, you should listen, you should listen, you should listen. I'm like, I get it, I know. I wanna listen, tell me something. Let's get to the Proverbs of Proverbs. Then we'll start till chapter 10. Let's go. Um, and then I became a high school teacher. And I realized a lot of what I do 
is tell students the same thing over and over again that they're not listening to. And some of it's stuff that they've heard their whole lives. Some of it's stuff that I heard when I was in high school that annoyed me, but now I'm the one saying it. Oh, what have I become, right? Um, stuff like, hey, you should do well in school. It's really important for your future. Like, Man, I was really irritated with having to hear that when I was younger. Um, but why am I saying it? Well, I'm saying it because I have juniors and seniors that are going, man, why did I wait till my senior year to try? I shouldn't, I should have, you know, I should have worked harder my freshman year, my sophomore year. Well, I teach freshmen every year and, and, and they just come out of junior high, right? So um, they are like, this, this is a party. School is a party. Like I'm with my friends. This is amazing. And I'm like, that's cool, but you actually do need to like try in school because I know that you're gonna probably regret it by your senior year if you don't. And because that's what students tell me, right? That's what they say. They're like, man, I have only these options for my future because I didn't care about school till like yesterday. Um, and it's usually always the boys for some reason too. Um, or it's like, actually for the boys, sometimes like freshman or sophomore year of college, they're like, oh, I should be trying. And you're like, I know. Um, and also I had this experience having kids where a lot of what we do is, as parents is just saying the same thing. Hey, you should really listen to us. We're not just like saying stuff because we like to irritate you. Um, but, but you, like this is important. Like you should really listen to us. And it's not just my high school students and my kids, but it's in my own life as well. I realize I am stubborn and um, my default position is probably not wisdom or to listen. And so I need someone to hold me by the shoulders and say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Only fools despise wisdom and instruction. Like you need to listen and be the type of person who has a posture towards others and towards God that is ready to learn. And that posture is so important. And if you can get that posture right, then you can walk this path of wisdom. Robert mentioned last week uh, from Second Corinthians that there's these two paths, right, in Corinthians of the, 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 the right way and the wrong way and the path of life and the path of death. And really, I think Paul is echoing what we see in the Psalms and Proverbs of these two paths. And you guys can see these little clip art people here and they have a choice to make, right? Um, which path are they gonna take? This is how Proverbs frames this. There's two ways, there's, two, there's, a, there's a wise path and then there's a foolish path. And it's saying here that the way to get on this right path is to have a posture towards God that's ready to listen to him. Um, and the fear of the Lord, uh, fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. So let's take this picture then, this framework that we're starting to build and contrast it with what we saw in turning red. Um, so speaking of red, here is, can of Coke, okay? And I think that in turning red, they see us as kind of like this. Um, we are something that is delicious, satisfying, refreshing, right? It's, it's I don't know, it doesn't have, oh, original taste is all it says. Oh, also delicious and refreshing, yeah. Um, and, but it's, it's just inside, uh, all you have to do to help some, somebody is to teach them how to unlock their potential right, and teach them how to, there is a wrong way to do that, right, if you shake it up or turn upside down. Um, so teach someone how to unlock what's within and discover that, and then 
man, that's, they, they will just be themselves and, and that's how they should grow and that's what they should do. Um, and there's something, I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to trash the movie. I think that in many ways, these stories that we keep hearing are, are possibly a response to um, cultural experiences and individual family experiences where people have experienced an oppressive amount of uniformity from their parents where their parents said, you, your, your job is to be just like me. Your job is to do things the way that we did them. And, and the, I'm just gonna do exactly what my parents did to me and I'm gonna do that and it's gonna have the same effect and, and that doesn't work, right? So let's just acknowledge that um, and say, maybe we're more like empty vessels, okay? Or, you know, have this beautiful Shohei Otani angel's cup and I have this really cool uh, ducks um, water thing and it's like a faux hydro flask and these are both empty, and so um, they need to be filled up. But let's acknowledge like, what something like turning red shows us is that these don't get filled up the same way, right? If I pour water on top of this, well, I'm not that smart, right? Pour, you know, you need to unscrew it, you need to open it up, right? And, um, and this one is easier to spill, right? So they're different. However, I think what the, the, the thing I want us to observe here from Proverbs is that they're empty. They need to be filled up. Um, and the first step to being filled up is to recognize your emptiness, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So be, having a posture of, I have need, I need to grow, puts me in a position to be able to grow. And of course, the metaphor breaks down. We're, we're not, um, when we get filled up, we change shape, right? And so maybe we're more like things that are watered and grow than like a cup that doesn't change shape. Um, but what I want us to see is that contrast of, am I supposed to look within and find something that I need to just um, share with the world? Or am I supposed to look seriously within and say, okay, I might feel like I'm God, but I'm not. And I need, I need God. I need to have this posture of reverence towards him. I need to be somebody who's willing to learn. So that, I think, is the first thing I want you to see about how we move forward and grow as a person from Proverbs is we recognize that we fear God. The second thing is we need to hear the right voices, listen to the right voices. Um, so this is how we move forward is we actually need to listen to the right voices. Uh, Judah has been doing Little League. He's wearing his hat this morning. He's super into it. Uh, yeah, that's right. We see it. And... Um, it's been really fun, uh, first eight games, having a great time, but lost all eight games, so it wasn't quite as fun. And then the last five, right, buddy? We won the last five in a row, so it's been really good. And one of the things that I didn't think about with him doing Little League is one of the skills they need to learn is how to listen to the right voices because they have a lot of people shouting at them at the same time. Um, and they got three coaches, Right? They got a first base coach, third base coach, they got their, their head coach, and then they have all the peanut gallery coaches, right? Um, all the moms and dads uh, and bystanders and brothers and sisters and everybody telling them what to do the entire game. And in our league, you cannot steal home, okay? So we've had this happen where we have a kid on third and then, um, but the ball's rolling into the outfield uh, because of a misplay and the parents are screaming, run home, run! And they're yelling at, and the kid's going, and the coach is saying, stay, stay, because you can't steal, steal home. And so the 
kids like, mom and coach, like, I got to figure out who to listen to right now. And then they're yelling at the umpire and there's a lot of stuff going on. So the skill, a lot of the skill for these kids is to listen, to know when to, you know, listen. That's, that's good uh, practice for the major leaguers, right? Who have people yelling at them the whole game and just have to pretend like they're not there. Um, and man, they really need to listen to their coaches, right? That's an important person to listen to. Um, their coach is saying, don't run. They need to not run and not listen to like my friend's mom who's yelling at me, run. Um, and then everyone, I'm with those parents, right? Yelling. So, um, and then we get quiet when we realize we made a mistake. Uh, listen to your coach. Don't listen to us, right? Um, so what are the right voices to listen to? So I'm going to read just from the beginning of this section of Proverbs 1 to 9, and then a passage from, from the end of this section of Proverbs 1 to 9. And I want you to find who are the people that he's saying we should listen to, and who are the people, voices, he's saying we should reject. And then as you start to see those different voices, I want you to think, what does that look like in my life? What are the voices that I should listen to and the voices I should reject? Who am I listening to? So I'm just gonna read portions of this from Proverbs 1 and then we'll move, look at a little bit from the end. So continuing right where we left off in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason, like Sheol or the grave, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods, we shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, we all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them, Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. All right, did you catch it? So who are some voices that they're supposed to listen to in this passage? Mom and dad, right? So thank you, thank you. Um, mom and dad, oh, that's really good too, seeing your mom appreciates that, I think. Um, mom and dad, right? Uh, and of course, that's not always universally true in every circumstance, but he's saying, hey, listen to your mom and your dad. We are here to help you, we care about you. But you're gonna hear competing voices. And where, who's the competing voice in this passage? Right, these, these, this group of sinners, right? And they seem to be friends, right? Because they're saying, hey, hang out with us. We're gonna go rob those people and it's gonna be fine. And um, you know what? We're gonna get all this stuff and we're all gonna share it. See, we're like family. And so, and he's appealing as well, those friends are appealing to their own desires, their own greed, right? So we have a voice within saying, well, I want free stuff without consequences, that sounds pretty good. And so you have competing voices, some of which are right and some of which are wrong. Passage goes on and I want you to hear what wisdom says. And she, she 
Try to hear her tone too. She's, uh, how's she feeling about what she's saying here? This is continuing in chapter one. I'm gonna read what wisdom says. She's personified as a woman here in chapter 20. And let's try to see what kind of mood she might be in here. Chapter, uh, Proverbs one, beginning verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded, because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but I will not, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge, did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Okay, what kind of mood is wisdom in here? What's she saying? You should listen to me and if you don't, it's your own fault, right? She doesn't sound, she sounds like in a bad mood, right? A little bit of a bad mood. Um, and, but you kind of understand because she says, I'm standing here, I'm calling to you, and you just keep going and no one's listening to me. Well, if you want to not listen to me, then you're going to have to deal with the consequences. And that's what wisdom is saying. And so again, we have this voice calling to us, but it's kind of urgent. It's not just hey, figure this out for yourself, um, decide what you want. It's like, no, there's, there's a voice calling that you really need to heed. And alternatively, there's, there's voices you need to reject. And one of those um, is the voice of the adulterous woman in Proverbs 8, and who seduces the young man to go um, with her, and he is like a, a sheep going to the slaughter. He is like a, an animal who does not know that he's about to be killed. And then we have uh, wisdom speak again. At the very end of this section, we have the woman folly. And so I wanna read just that really short passage here and let's hear what she has to say. And I want you to notice how similar she sounds to wisdom. So this is Proverbs 9, last few verses, 13 to 8. Listen to the woman folly. She says, the woman folly is loud, she's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Whoa, okay, it's probably a dark image, right? She's saying, hey, come this way. And the fool that goes that way does not know that in her basement are all her victims, right? Like, it's pretty dark. Um, and this is how this section closes. 
So let's put our kind of our picture back up here again and let's add these different voices, right? These are the voices that are calling to you to these two different paths. You have maybe more voices calling you to a destructive path, louder voices, more seductive voices, voices that aren't just external, but actually come from within and say, this is what you want, go for it. Now let's contrast this with what we saw in Turning Red. Turning Red, and like a lot of these stories, says when you find these, your, your passion and your identity within yourself, that is the good. And anybody who wants to tell you not to embrace that is actually opposed to you. Not, they don't have your well-being in mind. You need to find out who you are and be that. And the framework of Proverbs says, my son, my daughter, listen to me. You're gonna hear a lot of things from your own heart that you've got to say no to because they will destroy you. So I think this is a bit of a, a picture of what this looks like um, to mature, to grow, to move forward as people from our culture and from Proverbs. So now I wanna ask the question, um, where, how, how does Jesus fit into this? And how do we fit into this? Because I think if I just leave that picture up there, especially talking about that, this in church, we might be misled to think what this means is, is God says, if I do good things, then I will earn life. And that's not what Proverbs teaches. And that's actually not what anywhere in the Bible teaches. That we can earn and merit for ourselves a good outcome, a good eternal destiny if we just do the right things and make the right choices. That is not what Proverbs is saying. Proverbs is about really taking a hard look at the consequences of our actions and um, learning the wisdom of being able to look at that and, and how that can shape us and change us when we are trusting and following God. And so when we look at it and ask the question, how does Jesus fit in? Let's start by just acknowledging that the New Testament presents Jesus as the apex of God's wisdom. Not only do people everywhere he goes recognize his wisdom um, and say things like in, in Mark, uh, Mark 6, um, they said, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Man, who's this guy? Where's he from? Right, and of course, this is kind of ironic to the reader, right? Because Mark is trying to tell you that he's the son of God. And John and Paul both say that the, the wisdom that God used at creation was actually not, it's not just a metaphor, it, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the architect of creation. And so he is wisdom. And so we can add him to this picture and say, okay, um, yes, wisdom is calling to, to us, but Jesus is also ultimately the one calling to us and helping us and showing us the way. But there's more to it than that because again, I think we might be misled into thinking, okay, so my parents and Jesus and wisdom, they want me to walk the right path and get the right thing, so I just gotta, I gotta try harder, I gotta do better. And in fact, I've made all the bad choices, let's say, so it's too late for me anyway. And that's not at all what the gospel's about, right? And so I wanna read just one summary of the gospel from Paul, from Titus, and I'll put it up there as well for you. But this is, this is a great summary. 
of what Jesus has done for us. He says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that being justified, not by our works, but by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so let's, if we look at our picture again and I say, okay, how do I fit into this? Well, I, I fit into this. I can only walk in the path of wisdom because of Jesus. And in fact, if I have an expectation of eternal life, it's not because of what I would do. It's because of what Jesus has done, right? He died on the cross for me. He rose again for me. And now as somebody who has been washed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, how do I live? Now I have grace to be able to walk on this path of wisdom. So let's ask some questions of ourselves how we fit into this picture then. Um, first, let's ask about our posture. Do we have this posture of fearing God? Or do we have fingers in our ears? And this might express itself with how we relate to others, with how we relate to parents. Um, this is not just something for younger people either. This is something that's a temptation our entire lives. I think it becomes, in some ways, an even greater temptation as we get older. Because man, I've lived my life, I'm competent at my job, um, and I've done a lot, so now no one should really tell me what to do. And there's a, there's a danger in that posture, right? Because now, how can I respond to God, who says, look, the beginning of wisdom, the, the, the foundation of it is having a posture towards God where you say, look, you're God, and I'm not. I am a created being and I need to learn from you. And so let's ask ourselves if we find that posture or if we need to ask God to break our hearts and humble us. And then the second thing, let's think about how we're doing and listening to these different voices. What are the voices we're listening to in our lives? Right, because we're not gonna have a literal woman with a name tag that says wisdom or folly, right, saying, go this way. It sounds different. It looks different. How does it look in your life? And are you actually listening to the right voices? We could probably identify times in our lives when we can see that ebb and flow, right? Where we could see at this point in my life, I was making decisions about and choices with how I spent my money and my time and the people I hung out with and the job I chose and everything. I can realize that during this time, I was really listening to myself and I was pursuing what I wanted. Or maybe we can see the opposite as well. We can go, man, I think I was really listening to the Lord at this time, and I was listening, I had a humility towards others. And that, man, look at, how, look at how God worked at that time. Um, I should try that again, right? And so I encourage you to kind of put yourself on this map and, and think this through. And as we look at maybe our culture and we look at the Bible and how they think about maturity, it's probably worth mentioning that the target, the goal is totally different, right? God's goal for us, his end for us is to know him, to worship him, to enjoy him. And our culture doesn't have that. So in that empty vacuum, they'll say something like, you know, you, you fill in the blank, whatever makes you happy, whatever you can find, just fill that in. 
Um, you determine that. And, and, and Proverbs says that, that's dangerous. That's actually maybe a voice you don't wanna listen to. The goal, the reason God made you is to know him. And, and Jesus died so that we can, and he gave us his spirit so we can now walk in this path of wisdom. You know, as I think about how to do this for myself, and I was thinking about the context of this church, and we individually sort of listen to the sermon. I mean, we're together, but we can kind of individually apply it and, and think, well, I need to walk the path of wisdom and I need to trust God. Um, but really, this is a thing that we do as a community, right? And I, I know for, for me, um, that, that, that's been such a, a blessing from God the past few years being here. And it comes in small ways. Maybe it's just spending time at a life group or talking to a friend from church. Um, I experienced it this morning and this week as multiple people text me, email me, and said, I'm praying for you this week because you're preaching. Or walked up to me before the sermon and said, can I pray for you? You're preaching this morning. And that's not just available to me for community because I'm preaching. That is community, I, and, and I've seen, we all are experiencing here if we want to, and it's, it's available to us. And so um, let me just encourage you that whether, and if you're a visitor, then I think this could be maybe at your own home church if you have a home church, but we need to be involved in a community walking this path of wisdom. Because walking on your own, man, the voices are loud and they're strong and they're even in our own hearts. And I wanna listen to God and I wanna listen to Jesus and I need brothers and sisters walking with me and so do you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for not leaving us to follow ourselves, to go our own way. We know that um, we would easily self-deceive ourselves if it, if it wasn't for your grace. And so we pray for the grace and humility to have a posture that listens to you. Would you lead us? We thank you for your grace. We thank you for showing us the way. We pray in Jesus' name. The ushers are going to come forward and take an offering.